Welcome back to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Ryan. That's Matt. Hey, Matt, it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. (laughs) Ryan, don't ask me why I'm motherfucking stressed. And we are not alone. We're here joined by TFT punk correspondent Rachel D. Uh, Rachel D., I love it when you call me Big Papa. (laughs) Goodness gracious, the podcast. Where the cash at? Where's the Matt at? <laughs> he's, he's right there. Hey, I'm, he I'm right here. I, oh, okay. Because well, Matt is on, you know, it, it makes sense that you would not recognize Matt because we are on the East Coast, the coast of Biggie. Uh, and Matt is on the West Coast, uh, the coast of, of Dre and, and, uh, and Snoop Dogg and Tupac. So we have a beef with matt we have we are reigniting the coastal yeah beef. here's here's my beef why does the punk correspondent come on for all of the hip-hop shows what's the <laughs> what's the deal with that <laughs> what's the deal with hip-hop and punk i mean <laughs> like i have a question is ready to yeah. die a punk album <laughs> yes <laughs> oh rachel i, I defer oh to my yeah no no i i i agree <laughs> um yeah you know it's uh let's say that 1993 to 1994 is to uh to to hip-hop as uh as as seven as as 77, 77 is to punk right um and the, you know or maybe not even 77 maybe like 79 to 80 right because that the 77 the kind of classic punk, the the Sex Pistols era, the Ramones era, um, I, is most analogous to that earlier golden age of hip hop that we've discussed, the Eric B and Rakim. Um, and what, but what this is, is the post-punk of hip hop era. Um, that, uh, you know, where we've been, this is now our fourth straight week of, um, a fourth classic album of the, uh, early, early to mid nineties, uh, following Wu Tang's 36 Chambers, Nas's Illmatic, Snoop Dogg's Doggy Style, uh, and now the fourth one, the notorious B.I.G.'s Ready to Die, which I don't think I said, um, but, uh, uh explicitly, but we are discussing the debut album from the notorious B.I.G. Uh, ready to die uh, in celebration in part of the 20th anniversary or the celebration and observance of the 20th anniversary of his of his passing uh, of his assassination in uh, in 1997 uh, which was uh, which was marked um, last week about one week ago um, just under one week ago at the time of this recording um, and so this is a time what we've seen is where hip-hop has gotten you know, even 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 the most ebullient uh, hip hop of these albums of of doggy style has gotten darker and uh, and and uh, and and weirder and and a bit more stressful. And I think that uh, Ready to Die is a culmination of that. I mean, it's as it says on the tin. Uh, if you are looking for uh, for optimistic party jams, there's a few here, uh, but th- but there's mostly there's mostly suicidal thoughts. Um, and so this is a uh, this is this is you know an album that to dig into that I think may surprise you if you know only Juicy and Big Papa, um, and because this is an album that's filled with a lot of stress uh, and a lot of anxiety and a lot of crime uh, and also some of the best rapping that you will hear. Um, and you know it is it is well regarded as a as a classic of the form, um, and it is a a personal favorite of mine and of and of many. Uh, I know Rachel, this album as an album was was newer to you, right? Uh, yeah, no, I think that's right. I don't think I had like really spent that much time listening um, to like the album all the way through. 
uh, and more just have, you know, have like kind of a general, it's kind of like Pulp Fiction, right? Like, you know, <laughs> like all the beats and cadences and the songs, but, uh, you know, you realize like, oh, I haven't really watched this all the way through right. that many times. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you, you were surprised, uh, when, uh, about halfway through the album, there is a, a very, a very long and a very explicit sex scene, uh, uh, in which, uh, Lil Kim gets thrown off of Notorious B.I.G. And then a little later on, when there's a very, very, um, a, a, a very explicit bl- blowjob as well. Um, you know, this is not, uh, you know, the whole album start to finish. Uh, I, I mean, I guess it's, I guess, I mean, it could work for running, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, when you get, when you get to those. But, uh, I've definitely actually, one of those came up when I was, uh, commuting on the subway. And it was, it was a lot to be sitting on the subway while, while those, while the noises, while the sex noises. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And and now we're now now we're paying it forward to you. Um, you know, you... Matt, turn off your Roomba. <laughs> Roomba, I got a Woomba. <laughs> Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> so if you've not that's listened it, to this album... I, I bit that joke off Tina Fey. I, I can't take credit for it. <laughs> or or blame. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, if you've not listened to uh, Ready to Die, give it a listen. Um, the canonical album uh, is Intro Through Suicidal Thoughts. There are two bonus tracks um, that are on the Spotify version uh, Hushacha, which is still worth a listen, um, as it is um, an integral part of the feud with Tupac. Um, and I believe Dreams is also there, um, just playing uh, parentheses Dreams. Uh, those are not part of the canonical album, so you can stop uh, at Suicidal Thoughts. I, didn't, uh, right, I, I had to look. I wasn't super familiar either, and I thought, like, what a way to end an album with this, uh, this extended kind of bullshitting meditation on how many R&B stars he wants to sleep with. Uh, I thought that was a bold move, and then I, re- then I looked at the actual track listing and realized that, no, that was not in fact spotify had, had deceived me no it's like oh no he ends it when he kills himself <laughs> oh right <laughs> he does yeah exactly he doesn't come back to make uh to make a frankly uh, horrifying and inappropriate joke about raven simone no no he does not he does not 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 at not at this point but not there, at this time uh, but it's a cliffhanger so um give ready to die a few spins uh and then meet us back here after this word from our commercial sponsor are you wondering who shot you yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I am filled with bullet holes. I am bleeding. And yet I did not see the assailant. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you should check out these nanny camps that we're selling now. You can put uh, like a nice teddy bear or, uh, you know, we have different different kinds. You know, we, we have one that goes in a bong, you know, so it's music studio ready. Uh, if you're uh, if you're smoking Indo, you can just uh, you can you can put these around and then uh, your friends can review view the footage and see who shot you but but i'm dying <laughs> yeah. what do i do yeah, about we're, this we're, we're both shot right we've both been shot right, right. Uh, wait, wait i right. mean 
Can you help me? Can you call nine one one? No, please? but 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 what I I, I can't call nine one one. And and I I look. I appreciate the situation uh, that you're in, but what what I have to offer is uh, some grainy black and white surveillance footage of uh, of the crime uh, that goes down. You know wh- whether uh, let's just hope that they aimed it right when they set these nanny cams but, um, I, around I, the room. Will this the, camera provide emergency care for me? I know I'm I'm I'm. Very very lightheaded. I am extraordinarily woozy. I know. Well, I can see on the on the footage, like uh, what you're saying tracks with what I'm observing now. Wait, I the- thought the footage was Grady. You can see that. Wait, wait, who shot us? <laughs> Nanny cams for when you want to know who shot you or your relatives do. And we're back. <laughs> um. Hey. I have a question. <laughs> um, sure. This these these songs off of Ready to Die uh-huh. with with their uh, with their ubiquitous presence at weddings and in spin classes uh, and in seasonal small plates restaurants uh, are they are they overexposed? <laughs> mm, wow. Um, I, I'm going to say a qualified yes. I mean, because what you're saying is true, but they are they are overexposed in the metaphorical sense of of being exposed to too many people. They are underexposed in the literal <laughs> photographic sense. <laughs> Go of, on. Of, <laughs> of being too dark to make out the shapes, right? Because I think that a lot of the... Uh, I think a lot of the engagement, well, I, beyond, like, as you say, beyond Big Papa, right? Like, uh, a lot of the engagement um, with these songs relies on kind of ignoring their manifest content, right? Kind of kind of like just, just either not paying attention to their subject matter and listening to the beats, which are great. I mean, which have, have uh, like truly sublime moments um, or to listening to the flow, which is great. Uh, or, you know, some of the kind of the hooky moments, which are also Great, and not necessarily really engaging with the the uh, you know like the the uh, the um, well like like the Pulp Fiction level of the Quentin Tarantino level of violence you know uh, or or of kind of sociopathy or of like uh, social like the the tearing of the social fabric um, in a way that that survival becomes uh, not an ennobling. Act, but a sort of a, a vicious and dehumanizing one. So that that like uh, in that sense, they are underexposed because they're not. There's not enough light kind of uh, uh, kind of cast on them as they kind you know as they provide the the backdrop for your uh, nine course um, d- uh, nine course tasting menu served off of distressed reclaimed wood planks by a <laughs> by a you know a, a mustachioed art school graduate with with gauges in his ears damn why are they trying to stick me for for my charcuterie <laughs> <laughs> right um i mean i think that th- speaking of warning right alluding to warning where where that where i repurposed that hook i mean that that song right Open, it lives in that very kind of not enough life, light period of time, right? That, that's the one that opens 
who the fuck of the, who the fuck is this paging me at 5:46 in the morning crack of dawn and now I'm yawning wipe the cold out my eye see who's paging me and why right and that there's a setup of you know people are coming to kill uh Biggie um and so I think that that that's very much that murky world uh and you have then at the end of the album uh, or at the end of the song the uh the the skit the skit right where the two assassins uh realize that the uh the uh, assassin has become the assassinated, right? Oh. Um, it's like, uh, right? The the uh, and I actually have always loved the the comedy of like, oh shit, like oh shit, there's a red dot on your head. Oh, oh shit. shit, there's yeah. a red dot on your head. Oh, oh shit. shit, yeah, it's um, so good. Well, and it's 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 interesting, right? Because that also is. I mean, it's it's interesting, right? So that the darkness is also is is both a threat and an opportunity <laughs> in the I guess in the Biggie SWAT chart, right? Um, <laughs> like uh, uh, and uh, and and uh, and that's kind of interesting, right? So on the one hand, there are people hiding in the dark and and they're trying to get you, um, but if you can hide even better, you can get them first, um, and that's different from right that. There's a there's a uh, echo of this from Doggy Style, right? There's also a skit that ends up with two guys creeping up on um, on Snoop Dogg, um, but they just say, "Hey, are you Snoop Dogg?" And he says, "Yeah," and they shoot him, um, right in in the in the plain California day, right? And um, and here where there's the gunshot, well, everything's wound. a lot more laid back in California. You know, it's just it's a surfer culture, it's a beach culture. You know, low riders, cars, like there's it's just chill out here. You know, and even the assassinations are more chill uh, on the West Coast than they are. <laughs> On the East Coast. <laughs> right. They're not like infused with paranoia. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. Despite or, all the weed that's being smoked, no one's paranoid. Yeah, or like a border, or like a weird, like a, a kind of totally bipolar quality that, that uh, Biggie has throughout this whole, uh, throughout this whole thing with kind of manic sections and, and depressed sections and, and, uh, um, and only a little, only a little bit of like, only a little bit of just kind of like riding the wave, like in, in, uh, Big Papa, right? And, and juicy to an extent, right? I mean, the, the signals, right? Um, and it's interesting, right? That those two kind of moments of riding the wave, which were the biggest singles from this, and are also the closest templates to what would become the commercial crossover, right? So that, um, the kind of bigger context is, um, this album's out in 94, um, is a big hit, uh, you know, c- catapult him to stardom. Um, but then, um, you know, fast f- uh, forwarding to 1997, um, uh, they, he has become a bigger star in part because of the growing beef with Tupac with Death Row uh, Records. Um, Tupac dies, I believe, in 96, um, and uh, Biggie is, is murdered, um, you know, just a few months later, I believe, um, some number of months later, um, and about a week before his uh, second album, uh, Life After Death, drops. Um, and then that then that that latter half uh or the latter kind of two thirds of 1997 um are then dominated by the songs that were on uh on this album and on uh Puff Daddy's uh solo album um that are much more of this kind of the model of of Juicy or um or Big Papa both in terms of tone and also in terms of kind of taking a much larger more 
recognizable sample uh, from a song from the 80s or 70s um, and, uh, and, and featuring it whole cloth, as opposed to mo- much of the rest of the album, uh, uh, which uh, the production on Ready to Die is closer in character to um to to Rizzo's production on the 36 chambers it's it's a little it's quite a bit less dark and dank uh but it's more of that um of that of that vibe than what would it's, come later yeah it's less it's less jagged and it's something that yeah. like because i'm not a um i'm not a, a hip hop expert i'm a uh like and i'm a musician like i play keyboards and so one of the pleasures that i sort of take from from music is like the development of like harmony throughout a song. Um, and the, the, the second type of production that you're talking about, the one that's closer to, to Riz's production, though less, uh, uh, what shall we say? Jagged, right? Um, like there's a, there is a kind of relentless quality to it, right? Like there's a relentless, there's a, there's an unwillingness to sort of, um, mm, to to be hooky to to give the kind of like facile satisfactions that pop music gives and there you know there there is this sort of like driving or insistent um aspect to what uh, to what to what happens it insists that you put your attention into a different place rather than you know just just laying back for the kind of the the easy pleasure that a that a, a pop a pop song could provide much in the manner of, never mind um, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, so it's, it's a little harder. I mean, cause you, it forces you almost like, almost like, uh, uh, minimalism, almost like Philip Glass style mm. or like Michael Nyman style or Steve Reich style minimalism. Um, it, the, the sameness and the kind of the, the repetition, um, uh, uh, alters the quality of your attention, right? And and you have to you have to pay attention for much longer stretches, uh, in in order to follow the development of an idea or in order to get some sort of satisfaction, um, some kind of gratification out of uh, out of the song. Um, and in the like, it, and it's it can be as as long as like you have to follow verse one, verse two, and verse three because each one like alters the premise slightly mm-hmm. until you realize something at the end. Um, you know, uh, it can be, you have to kind of follow the development of an, of an idea or a kind of dramatic thing, uh, or, uh, you know, and, and so there are a couple different variations on it, but it's much, it's, it's very different from like, uh, hook centric music, like a lot of pop music is, or, uh, drop centric music, like a lot of EDM is where you're like, are you ready for the thing to happen? Are you ready for the thing to happen? Are you ready for the thing to happen? The thing's happening now, right? This is a this is a much more this rewards a sustained attention in a way that's that's um, uh, ultimately I think probably gives more profound uh, satisfaction. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. And even in the songs that that deviate from that slightly, I mean, I think a little bit about um, especially the first 
oh, I don't know, um, like third of the album or so, the first seven songs or so um, are very much uh, in that model in one way or another. Um, and they, they vary in tempo, but uh, they all um, have that um, more relentless uh, production style. Um, and the, the what, the one that features Method Man has that as well. So it's actually almost the first half of the album. Um, and, then, and then you have uh, Juicy is this, is uh, it just in the nature of the beat um, and the nature of the of the syncopation um, is is very different. But you have this kind of over like a um, you know both at the level of of song and then at the level of that stretch of the album exactly this kind of I mean it's this interesting thing where there is repetition with difference right um, and that there are uh, in, within each song kind of development of themes and ideas um, and. And then, you know, the album, you kind of go even within that stretch, right, from the, um, let's say, the the violence songs um, to to the first of the sex songs, right, uh, yeah. with, uh, with One More Chance, right? Um, and, and, and One More Chance is bookended, right, on one side by the voicemails of uh, all of the uh, jilted women, uh, and then on the other side um, by, the, um, by the sex interlude. Um, and so I think that's, um, that's interesting. I think one, one variation on that um, is, is uh, the third track, the second full song, Gimme the Loot, um, is interesting, right? So it's an interesting illustration of some of this because the beat absolutely illustrates what you are describing. Uh, but then there's a few things in the um, construction of, yeah. of the song that, that add, that are the sources of that, that texture, right? And one is the, like Biggie's duet with himself, right? Um, which is uh, really, uh, really fascinating, right? Because he he's largely kind of indicates that you know two speakers in a few ways and one is kind of the vocal timber uh, but also the rhythmic style right um and the nature of the flow um and that that you, you even like learn something about the two characters um just by how he raps them right that the second voice the higher pitched one is um is younger because it's higher pitched and a little more agitated uh and uh and aggro um and so you you have th- that interplay um, and that, and the end of each verse has this brief kind of cut out. Um, and then, and then the chorus, uh, the, the hook drops in or the hook as it is. Um, and it's still not a particularly hooky hook, right? It's much more of a, it's an exhortation to give your, give, give him your loot, <laughs> give the me your loot, uh, and, and to fork it over. Um, and then the, the verses come right back in, right? So that there is even within the stop start, um, that same kind of, um, that same kind of rhythm, yeah, uh, th- this is uh, th- this splitting technique is is interesting because it's something that you know as uh, when I sat down um, to go through with lyrics, uh, something I noticed was um, this dialectical technique in in a lot of places, or uh, I guess what I would call an ir- ironic technique, and I mean this not in the sense of of Morissettean irony, uh, in in that like when something unfortunate happens. Uh, but it's it's okay. It's not a big deal because uh, generally in this world, when something unfortunate happens, it's a very very big deal. <laughs> um, but uh, the um, the uh, 
the like literary critical sense of irony, which is that a uh, sort of a contrast between an uh, like an ideal and expected or purported uh, uh, circumstance and what reality actually is, right? And so the idea that like these two sides of his brain are kind of arguing with each other, these two characters who are both him or whom he both embodies, you know, there there's a, you'll be if you kind of read with this lens, you'll be shocked the number of times he said something along the lines of "You may think I'm X, but I'm actually Y." right Mm. like you may think uh or or you may assume the world is like this but it's not it's actually like this right and yeah i mean even like on on juicy stereotype of a black male misunderstood but it's still all good right yeah um yeah and that's i mean like that's a gentle one like that's like uh like juicy is like uh wistful or bemused or like you know the kind of the the uh nostalgic um uh, a very nostalgic take on this, like never thought I'd make it, um, you know, uh, uh, sort of, uh, sort of genre. Um, but that, that like, uh, uh, yeah, it, that, that it's, um, you know, e- even the, in the kind of the reversal of the, uh, that we talked about with, um, uh, DDD, uh, that we talked about with the, the, uh, assassins becoming the assassinated, the, the, that, that reversal is like, you think you're sneaking up on me, but I'm sneaking up on, I'm sneaking up on you, right? Like that, this is a way the, the world, um, the world isn't what you expect, uh, or have been led to believe. Uh, in other words, things done changed. Hmm. You know, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, Rachel, I know that you're a fan of Give Me the Loot. Uh, do you have any any takes uh, on on it? No, you know it's funny because I think in, in weirdly, you know, talking about the kind of a little bit of the the structure, or Give Me the Loot. It may it actually made me reflect more on Juicy again too about um, and kind of going to what Matt was saying about the you know kind of where your attention is in the music. That like that may be one of the you know given that it is one of the singles it may also be one of the few songs where even I would say like the the flow is melodic or mm. like the most melodic you know I, I think part of what it sticks in people's heads is because even his flow is like the most predictable in that song and like structured yeah um, even you know, like right birthdays was the, the worst days. days. Right, and and even the way they start, it was all a dream, and then you know, Super Nintendo, right? Like right. it's slightly different, but like there's still it still starts with the same like high, right? It goes up high, uh, you know. It it starts in a in a somewhat similar melodic place, and it's it's kind of one of the most like structured of like of his of the songs within the rapping itself. Right. And then I would say has the hookiest hook of all the hooks, um, you know, compared to, like you said, Gimme the Loot, which is not that hooky. Right. I, I think Gimme the Loot still, you know, ascribes to the style of like it requires sustained attention. And like the the energy of it is is like the back and forth and that tension created there and even the tension created in the vocals dropping out. But but not necessarily in like a. Like this, you know, not necessarily like in, you know, like a different other kind of focal point, right? Uh, Even though I do think there is a certain amount of anticipation created before the chorus, right? Because of the vocals cutting out and the cutouts, Uh, it does create at least a little bit of that like meta structure of of a good pop song, right? And like in that it's building like this 
anticipation about the structure. Um, even if it's not like a structure kind of created, you know, from like harmony or a certain melody. So I, 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 it's an interesting thing, kind of thinking about this though, and how the the two voice, how these structural elements um, interact, right? That it, you know, other cases where you have two voices um, or or two characters, right? That you know, if this is not like that. There's an angel and the devil, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or or a kind of you know the wise Biggie and the novice. It's like brutal biggie and just moderately more brutal biggie (laughs) (laughs) yeah even the like the what's the line that the young character says and give me the loot it's like i've been robbing motherfuckers since the slave ships right it's it's not like you know how young can he be if he's you know making this claim uh that that he is as accomplished at at sticking people up as the the older character is right like right so it's kind of like it's like slightly more tweaky uh, Biggie, and it's like slightly more chill, and and yeah. you know, uh, uh, Biggie, and and the um, you know, I don't know the the sort of going out the 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 kind of Bonnie and Clyde ending at the end, right? Like, um, uh, lace up your boots because I'm about to shoot a true motherfucker going out for the loot. And th- this is the not this actually that word signals signals that word true. Um uh also a favorite of Connor Oberst by the way. Um signals the kind of the non-ironic version of things, right? Like a true motherfucker uh you know as opposed to, to with the the people who who labor under misapprehensions about the world or about big or about whatever like a, he's a true motherfucker going out for for the loot um yeah uh, ra- rather than uh and it's cuz like uh i and and the re- <laughs> the reason is that he uh he ain't with no fucking chase you know <laughs> he's not he's going to make his stand um cuz he can't uh uh he can't outrun him I mean, it is interesting. I mean, the other kind of element of that and and thinking about the theme of being ready to die. I mean, right. Like Snoop Dogg only like it's it's easy to die once on your album. It's hard to die again and again and again. Right. Um, And that's like the true motherfucker uh, is, uh, you know, um, dies in 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 many possible ways. Um, Like what you don't know is in the sex sketch skit. He has a heart attack after (laughs) throwing uh, a little Kim. uh, oh, he has a, he has a big death after his little death. <laughs> yes, exactly, a big death. Um, and uh, and no, but the, the, there is. I mean, right that um, you know, and it being uh, bookended with um, with birth, right? And there's this kind of sound, uh, you know, the the, the intro um, skit is like a narrative of birth, several kinds of birth, right? Um, and uh, that that are soundtracked alongside kind of musical um, evolution. Um, and then there's lots of deaths or or uh, possible deaths, right? I mean, that there are, there are more. You know, I, I'm I'm thinking of at least three off the top of my head of the uh, the end of warning, um, this end of give me the loot, uh, and then the end of um uh, of suicidal thoughts, where there is a 
non-ornamental gunshot, right? Right. This is not like gunshot sound. Um, so we recently saw, um, Juicy J in concert, Juicy J of Three Six Mafia. Uh, and there, there, there were lots of ornamental gunshots, uh, that the DJ, uh, was fond of firing off. Uh, it was, uh, between songs. Um, but these are, these are, um, these are non-ornamental gunshots. These are gunshots that are killing people. Yeah. They're narrative. <laughs> they're narrative. Yeah. They're diegetic. Gunshots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, they are. They are. Well, and you know, there are a lot of you know. It's funny the the experience of listening to this. There's also, um, I think it's what is it the pager sound? Um, yes. That, there are so many phone sounds. Yeah, yeah. Tell us, tell the, talk a little bit about uh, your experiences of hearing the phone sounds I on mean, this album, Rachel. There's a lot of like Foley sound artistry going <laughs> right. on on this album, like very realistic, like beeper sounds and phone sounds and and like the ambulance off the street the police siren like they're all like very perfectly calibrated the to, the, the dick sucking the dicks, <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know i think the dick sucking sounds a little too much like they put a wet towel into a jar but whatever <laughs> but whatever that they could have tightened that one up but, <laughs> uh, but no but a lot of the sounds really do sound uh really do sound like um you're in the room right it it, it is it is like a it it is a real realistic soundscape, almost a a little too much so, and I guess it kind of creates a little bit of the, I guess like claustrophobic and paranoid kind of feel like themes of the of the album too, right? And hearing all these sort of like faint outside noises or like having mm. like the outside world intruding in in these small ways. Is I think cre- creates that overall sense of I don't know it's like the disruption right like the the like the the attention and the that it it diverts your attention in that disruptive moment is stressful right it's like yeah. stressful to the listener and I do think it it successfully creates like a sense of like stress. Well, in that way, and it's very much this idea of you are in, you know, a apartment, potentially a small apartment in a city. I guess, and I guess this is something that why it is even disorienting to us listening to our speakers in our apartment in a city, mm-hmm. right? That these noises, um, not necessarily the gunshot ones, but the sirens and the shouting, uh, and yeah. all of these things could be coming from outside our window or they could be, um, or they could be coming from the speakers, right? And, um, and, and that it captures this sense of um like he says on uh in the opening line of unbelievable right live from bedford's divisant the livest one representing bk to the fullest right and that that there is a sense of i mean it's it's different though right so rather than being um you know we talked a little bit about the 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 podcastiness of of wu-tang and and kind of talked a little bit about a kind of as a news program or this american life right this is even more like um this has some similarities, but it's almost like this is the the radio lab goes to Bedford Stuyvesant or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or you know, because there 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 is a lot of this kind of radio play um, uh, characteristic with all of the Foley artistry and all of the uh, the sound effects. Yeah, no, and it's less like I feel like yeah, Nas was more like a diary almost. Right. 
And this is, yes, I, I think Radio Labs is actually a pretty good uh, example there because they are very focused on like these auditory collages and sound collages. And there's like a little more of that going on here with all of those street noises. And Ra- Radio Lab is also focused on the kind of like uh, turns out uh, sociology journalism or science journalism. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you may have thought the world is like X, but turns out it's like Y. And that, you know, that that is mm-hmm. a sort of, you know, that is a sort of uh, thing that's happening here. There's there's sort of a process of of education happening in in the beginning way like when when the when the album started with the birth uh i thought oh this is a like this is a 19th century novel right this is david copperfield starting with like i was born uh like which may be the first uh i think is something like that is the first words of um of David Copperfield and like and like oh it's a, a buildings roman or something like that but th- there's there's something more going on it's it's a process of education in the listener not necessarily in mm. the su- in the subject of uh in the subject of the album and radio lab has that like shares that uh, uh, quality as well, right? That like uh, sort of so revealing to you something that's sort of surprising, unexpected, counterintuitive about uh, what the world actually uh, about what the world actually is. It's a you thought it was one way, but it, uh, but it's the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, right. So it's not it's not that even you want it to be one way, but it's the other way. But it's you thought it was one way, but it's the other way. Right. And this is the I mean, like from the beginning, like in in things done change, right? And like with this with doggy style with uh uh with ilmatic right like these guys were all young you know they, young. they were like like snoop was 19 i think biggie's maybe 22 uh nas is about 20 right like and and so to like talk about to be 20 and talk about back in the day right or to be 22 or whatever he is right like and and to sort of talk about oh man back in the day things things were were simple um you think it's like, oh, life was simpler when I was a child, right? Uh, though, though it manifestly wasn't. Uh, and like, uh, rough family life is one of the things that that um, comes out a couple times on on uh, on this record. But the the or like um, conflicts with authority figures, uh, uh, teachers, uh, things like this. Like the the. Um, the 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 actual claim is no 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 the world was was simpler uh the the actual experience of living life was different um than than it is now when you know you could what hang on the, the hang out on the on the sidewalks and shoot dice right um and and now like there there are a couple of times in this kind of ironic mode in this sort of educational mode where uh in in uh things don't change i think it's like kung fu versus oh yeah for uh uh for the stupid motherfuckers want to try to use kung fu instead of a mac 10 uh he tried scrapping slugs in his back and that's what the fuck happens. Uh, right. Like the, the, you brought a Kung Fu, you brought Kung Fu, um, to, to a gunfight. And then in machine gun funk, it's, uh, like sticks and stones, uh, is the image versus machine guns. And the, the, um, it's it's uh it used to be a kung fu and sticks world. And now it's a, now it's a, uh, guns and bullets world. 
Yeah, I mean that is one of the biggest things, right? Is that there are like <laughs> there are drugs and and bodies everywhere, right? I mean it's the uh and, and I mean but and it's really interesting though because then the other thing that changed, right? There are several changes, right? That one so it's because like then it, once you get to verse three, it changes again, right? Because if I wasn't in the rap game, I'd probably have a key knee deep in the crack game. Um, uh, because the sheets uh, streets is a short short stop. Either you're slinging crack rock or you got a wicked jump shot. Um, but I think that so right. This is interesting because the ability to rap is another change, right? And and it's a you know. That that the the beginning of the song, the back in the days, uh, and all of the kind of things that are kind of um, you know hanging out on the street drinking brews is also connected to rap, right? And there's this very famous. I, I shared this with you, Matt. Um, you know, there's a very famous um, video of Biggie uh, at, at like the age of 17 freestyling at a block party in Bed Stuy, right? And that that. That kind of block party where there's a DJ and there's people kind of hanging out and drinking and moving around is that environment um, that is the back in the day. Um, And so that, you know, even with all of the violence, with the drugs, um, that the rap is still there, right? That already you've um, it's not that um, and there's a there's a a rap there's the rap game crack game synthesis right um and that 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 kind of move and you know jay-z who was kind of um biggie's follower and and protege would take that even one step further to really kind of say that his business acumen as a drug dealer is what gave him business acumen um as as a rapper and as a mogul i mean i think this is even um a little bit different right um and there's there's a skit in this album and near the end of the album where someone's like oh well who inspired you and he's like no i was just kind of here it was just like it was like my option um and and i think that um i think that though you know that ability to rap and to make this album is another piece of evidence that things have changed right um and so i think that it's this idea and so there's at this level of even in recognizing that things have changed, that, that there's also a recognition that the old things are not gone in that, right? That the, the things that were pre-change um, are still around in the changed world and they get repurposed and, and kind of changed in their meaning morphs. Yeah, some, some, of the, some of the things, like the environment, the environment changes around them and sort of throws them into relief in a slightly exactly. different, in a, in a sort of slightly different way. I mean, this, this is an interesting thing, like, like I was always here. Now, th- there's a lot of claims about originality, about like, um, you know, not having a father to your style, you know, uh, that, um, that seemed to come in like, this is uh, originality, authenticity, being true, being real. Like this is currency. Uh, this is rhetorical currency, but there is in the kind of, in the self mythologizing, um, uh, in songs like juicy, there's something very, uh, there's something very odd about it, right? Like, um, uh, Biggie is alone, you know, like he, Biggie stands alone. Um, whereas, you know, uh, on, uh, enter the Wu-Tang, there's this locker room vibe, uh, talking shit and, you know, oddly homosocial and, um, 
bros, you know, hanging out together, right? Uh, uh, Ilmatic is more like a diary, more like a kind of private interiority. And, um, and Snoop's sort of special talent is sort of coming up with funky ass shit like every single day, like, like, like an oracle or a prophet or something like right. that. Like, right. like either like the Sphinx who speaks in riddles or else like Cassandra who is like cursed never to be believed by her own, you know, uh, at the time that she makes her pronouncements, like coming up with funky ass shit like every single day. Like, like Biggie is, is sort of a rock and sort of stands alone. Like Biggie's talent is for supremacy and that, yeah. um, um, and that uh uh whether whether it's like uh, whether it's supremacy a supremacy of violence a supremacy of uh of flow and and like rap skills technique um like a lot there are a lot of kind of words there's a lot of diction that that expresses this idea um it's it's supremacy and it's not like there's there are there's an entourage, but there isn't a crew. You know what I mean? It's not, there, there aren't partners. There aren't like teammates, um, in, uh, in the way he sort of mythologizes himself. And this idea that like, no, I was just always here and I was always doing what I was doing. Uh, and in that, like in that freestyle video, that's in that he was 17 in, you know, this yeah. five years before, uh, this happened. Yeah. And, and, a, an actual child, right. Or a, a minor, um, like it's, it, he is like, you know, very developed, like is, is really good, good to, good to watch. Um, and that like, uh, uh, this is, this is interesting. I think in light of, of juicy because, and this goes to kind of the underexposed quality that, that I was talking about, right? Like, cause uh, when you shed a little light on what's actually going on, this picture that, that is emerging for us emerges. Um, in Juicy, the hook is like, uh, you know very well who you are, reach for the stars, you know what I mean? It's like a you can do it kind of thing. But there isn't a picture of, there's a picture of suffering, but not necessarily of struggle, right? Not necessarily yeah. of, of, tri- of developing developing a talent or, you know, trying, trying to get in, you know? Um, What's the line I said again? Stereotypes of a black male misunderstood. Right, right. Like I didn't. It's like I didn't have to change. You had to change to to recognize me. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's that's. Uh, yeah. You know. No. And even I mean the the refrain of this song, the famous refrain of the song. If you don't know now, you know. You know. There you go. Yeah. You know, N word. But like, right. <laughs> I mean that is that is the famous everlasting like refrain of the song right if you don't know now you know right it's it's me i'm awesome i always think that i if you don't know that i'm awesome now you know that i'm awesome i I, uh i always substitute the hamilton the lin-manuel miranda uh ending to that line and if you don't know now you know mr president right Uh (laughs) uh-huh uh yeah. Let's talk about some more songs, guys. It's fun. It's so fun. You know, even I'm the, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. It's like, I, the, the more you, you reflect on it, the more you see in Juicy, like you never thought that hip hop could take it this far, right? That you never thought that, right? Like it's, it's constantly having to address like you, the listener who is so skeptical. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is, that is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think the skepticism about, right, like, you know, you are so skeptical, but here I am, and it's great. I I think, like, the most wistful or kind of, like, modest-sounding part of it is, like, it was all a dream, right? That makes it almost sound like, at at some point, it it did seem like almost too much for Biggie, and then he realized that it wasn't, (laughs) because he's awesome. Um, Well, and I think, though, what is really interesting is that as it develops... That the you know what it was all a dream is um is 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 analogous to the the kind of starting era in um in things done changed um and you know because it's it's very it's very golden age of hip hop right it's solid Pepe and heavy d in the limousine um it's you know we're uh, it's it's all of these kinds of um you know names and people that are of this kind of golden age of hip hop publications radio um but then um right that you know, in, in the second verse, right. It's that immediately he's up close and personal with Robin Leach, right. It's, it's, it's from, you know, the, the reality is even better than the dream. (laughs) Right. Um, uh, and, uh, right. The, the, like there are, there are both lunches and brunches, which are two meals that are very, are adjacent to each other. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, um, you know, that, that is, that is a life where you have brunch and you roll it right into lunch. Um, and then there's probably high tea. Um, (laughs) yeah, really, really like grazing, (laughs) literally, literally high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, right. Uh, uh, Indo for weeks. Yeah, right? Indo for weeks. But the, but that like I don't know. It's fu- I mean it's funny because the the uh, Indo for weeks. But he does. It doesn't like get him loopy or soft, right? Like uh, just because just because I joke and smoke a lot, don't mean I don't tote the Glock uh, from from Machine Gun Funk, which is actually also a great example of the kind of internal rhyme technique. Uh, and the kind of the the syncopated rhythm by emphasizing rhymes on offbeats um, yeah. or on on uh, beats you wouldn't expect it, it creates a great kind of like um, sort of syncopation thing that that you know drives the beat home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there? Yeah, I mean, I think that, and that is 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 so much a characteristic of the whole album right and and i think that that is the other piece i mean when we were talking about sort of the spareness of the beats i think that uh and and having this minimalistic quality i think that the other is because there's a second beat right that that that, uh and you know it's not that he is a you know uh big pun who would rise to fame later is even more of this kind of uh, um you know metrically complex and kind of um uh and and having uh real kind of uh like a a tremendous amount of speed um and complexity of rhyme but like that you hear you have that right and that the um, and it's a, it's a kind of, uh, you know, the, the rhythmic complexity. It's an interesting kind of thing where it's, it's, and how do, how do I put this? It's so complex. It becomes simple, right? That, that you, that it, 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 because it is so, and it's a little different than, than Snoop's smoothness because it is a lot more active, 
right? Um, and and it's, it has, shares characteristics with uh, some of the internal rhymes, some of the techniques that we saw in um, in, in Wu Tang. Um, but I think because it is, you know, through even if there are occasionally multiple voices, it is through one vessel, right? Um, that 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 kind of um, you know, we talk about the, the, the singer's voice as an instrument. This is a case where, you know, Biggie is, you know, um, it's, it's a duet for beat and Biggie, right? Um, and, and they're, they're kind of both going. It's, 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 there's a almost dueling banjos <laughs> effect in a way, right? Um, and that, um, and that, that, that they're both, um, it's it's two levels of kind of rhythm that are are really um that that are not not clashing against each other but are kind of work are are the the two the 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 rapping is riding the beats and the beats are riding the rap <laughs> uh and they they fit together um uh perfectly yeah and and each line like there's a norm the the sort of the simplicity of the beat provides a norm so that there can be varied realizations yes yes yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ritual, are there other songs that you um, have have enjoyed in listening to this? Uh, either either classics or um, ones that you kind of like deeper cuts you discovered. Well, you know, I think one song that I, you know I've always liked um, is Warning, and I think that's a song where like the you know the simplicity. Uh, where a lot, you know, where like the you know the beat is very simple um, and very like spare. Uh, but you know, the entire song is like playing off of the spare and very simple beat. Right. And, and, and like both in, in, you know, I think the, the, the rhythm of the rapping, like definitely plays off of the beat quite a bit here. Um, you know, and I, and it's one of the, you know, I, this album is full of like great narrative, like great little stories. Right. And, and good narrative uh, narrative arcs and like this is definitely like this is definitely like up there on you know favorite you know great awesome favorite narrative arc <laughs> I, I mean i love the i mean in terms of both detail narrative detail um and the kind of technique coming together is the beginning of the second verse right where the character who's alerting him to this plot says they heard about the rolexes and the lexus with the texas license plates out the gate uh, they heard about the pounds that you got down in georgetown uh they heard you got a half of virginia locked down right and i just like and and uh and, and i guess i'll close out the verse uh, they even heard about the crib that you bought your mom's out in Florida, the fifth corridor. Uh, and then Biggie cuts himself off, call the coroner. <laughs> and that's, to me, like, that's almost where the song begins is after call the coroner, right? Because everything up to that is preamble or like scene setting for what, you know, for the, for the actual, so- the actual meat of the song. Uh, no, uh-huh. not to take us down a rat hole, but I got an ad for Lexus on the genius page, uh, because it <laughs> mentions Lexus. <laughs> in in the lyrics and it's like oh that's interesting because I got an ad for knives because it mentions <laughs> a knife <laughs> go on <laughs> that, that was uh, no I mean that well, that was it. Well, I think you're. I mean, and this kind of fits with this theme of of you thinking, you know, thinking that it's one way and it being the other. Because 
you know, that in the preamble, the warning is to Biggie. Um, and then with Call the Coroner, the warning is to anyone who, um, wants to, to fuck with Biggie, right? Um, right. Cause, uh, there's going to be a lot of slow singing and flower bringing if my burglar alarm starts ringing. Um, right. Uh, and, uh, and, and then it's like a list of, right. Like, you know, Biggie must have been a Boy Scout because he is prepared. <laughs> I mean, and some of the details here, like, he has Rottweilers who eat gunpowder. <laughs> I just want to like call attention to that. <laughs> like, I don't know if you could get like more specific that he's like, oh yeah, my Rottweilers eat gunpowder. <laughs> I feel like that's like kind of like, you know, he does hang out with Method Man. That's almost a Method Man level of like torture, right? Yeah, like <laughs> dog, dog torture, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put gunpowder in your kibble and keep feeding you and feeding you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is not like garden variety shit. This is these are dogs that will like they aren't even dogs that will eat you. They'll eat you because they also eat gunpowder. They so they'll eat your weapons. Or anyone it's like they'll wait, eat wait, they will eat like the evidence of anyone who died. Um, it's not just like eating a per. It's not just like attacking a person. It's like they're going to eat a person filled with gunpowder. Or is it that they eat you and then uh, and then they fire you like a bullet uh, <laughs> out of their out of their dog butts? Um, uh, or or you explode? I think I think uh, my reading of the Rottweilers who eat gunpowder is that they're like dog bombs. <laughs> so um, that, no, no, he says, so they can devour the criminal trying to drop my decimals. Yeah, yeah, but they devour them. And then the dog and the gun. Uh, I the, see. The dog, okay. So you get eaten by the dog and then you explode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a terrible way to die. Before we. <laughs> you, you better be ready. You better be ready to die. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of which, can we, before we close, let's, let's hit the kind of the trilogy, the like, the. the uh, uh, ready to die everyday struggle and suicidal thoughts, which for me f- form a kind of uh, a kind of thematic trilogy. And like the thing, so the thing uh, I realized upon looking um, looking at ready to die is that it's not like this is uh, ready to die is not a philosophical song about either you know what the kind of the social circumstances do to your sense of the value of life or uh, anything like that right like or like coming to a deep uh like uh, almost zen like understanding that life is transient and so you're ready to die or that um you live in a a, a violent environment and so it could be coming so you better be ready to die no it's it's like in a it's in a, a standoff or in a, a fight um yeah. You better back down because I'm ready to die, so I'll do anything. Right? Like it's a it's a sort of rhetorical um pose that is meant to make meant to make him seem more fearsome uh in in battle because he's um it's it's not it's not like it, the syllogism is not like a uh, and b thus I am ready to die. It's I am ready to die. A, a I am ready to die. And b you are not ready to die. So c uh, I will win this battle. You well, know? right. So it, it, it's a view of life as a game of chicken. Yeah. Right. Um. And and that like I am ready to die. So you yeah. So you better swerve. Right. It's right. The, right. Exactly. And the, the so, but it's not. I, I'm ready to die is the premise, not the conclusion. 
right. is my point, you know, is the, yeah. is the, the point that, that I wanted to make, which is something that, <laughs> that surprised me because this is like this one, the, the verses are, you know, are a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's like, you know, right. all right. the like, uh, just all the, like the, the, the painting the room red with the shotgun and, and all the kind of focus on the actual anatomical reality of, of shooting someone in the, the, um, the ramification, the, uh, implications the the consequences of the violence um are is is where this where this song is at right like uh rather than rather than being something that is that you would imagine is is perhaps a little more philosophical i mean it is interesting right because he also says right like near the end he in uh also references being suicidal right and there's this interesting idea of like i'm I'm so ready to die. I would kill myself. So don't even try to kill me. <laughs> right. Um, and, and it's this interesting kind of, uh, like how, do, how do you make that threat credible? Um, and I guess, I guess the spoiler alert is that you make that threat credible by making a song like suicidal thoughts. And I is fast forwarding a little bit because like, um, you have to, I mean, it is a really, it's it's very interesting. Like why why assassinate someone who wants to assassinate themselves? Um, and uh, and there's a flip side, right? On the one hand, you don't want to fuck with that person because if they want to kill themselves, they'll certainly kill you. But on the other hand, um, then then they're also doing your work for you, right? And so it's as a rhetorical device, it's you know what it's it's um, communicating is um, is kind of complicated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is it it is. Like it is akin to the moving chicken of throwing the steering wheel out the window, yeah. right? That like, oh man, this guy's crazy, right? Which even even in situations of of violent confrontation can uh, can actually sway your opponent because um, like uh, uh, if 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 you're not willing to kind of follow the laws of war, then uh, then people forfeit their protection. You know what I mean? It- and I would say kind of like the the other side of that is in general, I mean, like, if you don't know, now you know, is also like, you don't have any leverage on me. Hmm. I think it's like, hmm. if anything, like him standing alone is like, oh, you thought you had leverage on me, but you don't. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you thought you had something on me, but you don't. It's like, like, oh, you're trying to kill me. I'm trying, trying to, to kill, kill you. Right. Jokes on you. Right. Like, yeah. Like, no one has any leverage on him in any way whatsoever. Yeah. That's really so good. He cannot point. be negotiated with. Yeah. And he can't be argued with. Yeah, that's a really good. No point. one has anything to offer him. <laughs> yeah, or take away from. Or him. take away from him. I mean, that's a kind of an interesting. I mean, as a side jag on this trilogy, I feel like that makes. Um, me and my bitch really interesting right um because it kind of frames this idea of right uh of this woman who um is his partner and his partner in crime right and she dies <laughs> right mm-hmm. again this is another where we're kind of cataloging how many songs end with someone dying here but it uh, yeah um, and again it doesn't like the the sort of there's a genre in in hip-hop of the sort of mourning someone who who was lost to violence on the street right like and yeah. and and this song isn't that it's you no. know what i mean like it's no. the 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 uh it's like in two or three lines it's dispensed with uh and i know uh oh i saw my bitch dead with the gunshot to the heart and i know it was meant for me i guess the the ends felt like they had to kill the closest one to me and when i find them uh your life is to an end they kill my best friend 
Right. Me, me and my bitch. And that's it. Right. Like uh, it's uh, it's almost a shrug of the shoulders. Uh, I guess they felt they had to kill the closest one to me is is about as deep as the reflection gets yeah. on that yeah. on that score. Yeah, totally. And again, so it also is that's interesting of like, well, you did that. Don't do that again. Because look, look how not affected I am by it. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, it's interesting because it's like it's like it's like he wants to he's sort of begrudgingly admitting that maybe they had some leverage on him by doing this. Like maybe this was the vulnerability. But yeah, I agree, it's very like grudging, like it's he's not really there he's not really there to like say i was vulnerable well, right because if if he really didn't care he wouldn't have written the song, song. Right? right um mm-hmm. like i mean that's the that's the interesting thing like um for a person who gives no fucks he's has a lot of songs about how few fucks he gives yes. you know like um <laughs> which uh which is a pretty fuck giving uh a mm-hmm. uh, uh, thing to do right uh, yeah, yeah it takes a lot of effort to produce uh, right. uh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there was a second. Which was the second song in your well, the, trilogy? So the second song is is uh, everyday struggle. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. I don't want to live no more. Right. Yeah, and that, and and this to me actually this is actually some of the background for Ready to Die and Suicidal Thoughts because and and we don't even need to go into it that much. But what this song describes is kind of a soul crushing grind, not yep. not cathartic, not violent, not cathartic in terms of sex, not cathartic in terms of violence, uh, not cathartic in terms of like supremacy and domination. Uh, just a soul crushing grind. And whether it's whether it's uh, social reality, whether it's the uh, poverty, whether it's the drug game, whether it's, uh, you know, the drug game as a kind of office job, clock in, clock out, mm-hmm. uh, alienated labor office job. This is what, um, uh, this is what, uh, uh, kind of undergirds a lot of that, uh, a lot of that depression that you see in suicidal thoughts. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I love, there's something about, um, in the second verse of this, of the, um, I had the master plan. I'm in the caravan on my way to Maryland with my man, two texts to take over the projects. They call him two texts. He totes two texts. <laughs> um, and I think the thing about that is just like, it's like, there is a certain in the repetition, uh, there, there is like, you get that, the drudgery right there. It's like, yeah, his name's two texts. He has two texts. Like, yeah, yep, like the every told, day, every day. He's told the story way too many times. Like, oh, what's his name? About? Like, every day I am struggling with two texts, dumb, dumb, dumb nickname. nickname. And I, if I have to explain it to one more person, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. It's like... <laughs> there are a lot of, there are a lot of, Biggie does like the get it. Like, there's an unbelievable, he spells his name and then says, get it? <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is like great. So obviously, the kind of I'm sure two texts was the same. Like, it, like I can imagine two texts with his gu- a gun in each hand, go to go get, get it. it. <laughs> <laughs> bam, bam. <laughs> right as he as he creates those two red dots on your head, um, he says, "Get it," and then they get it. Um, <laughs> the, it is a bullet. Get it. Um, <laughs> uh, any, anything else on on everyday struggle? No, I mean, but it's it's the it. It is a different. It's just a. I think it provides useful background. Yeah. Is is the point um, for you know for uh, ready to die and for suicidal thoughts? 
you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that what's interesting is that this is one of the, the hookier songs, right? <laughs> um, you know, this, and the, with a refrain of, I don't want to live no more. Sometimes I hear death knocking at my front door. I'm living every day like a hustle, another drug to juggle, another day, another struggle, right? That that is one of the, uh, as a, as a hook, as a chorus, um, you know, actually, this is one of the songs that has that kind of grinding sense of repetition the least, right? Um, yeah. There is, it's, there, there is, there's triumph in the grind. There's, right? a, there's um, something melodic in the delivery of like, I don't yeah. want to live no more with this like just tiny lift on the word live, almost though he's like moaning out or kind of like yeah. sighing out uh, the hook. Yeah. Uh, well, it's uh, also, it's ironic though, because like, because the live lives, right? Um, is a, I don't want to live no more. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and, and so that there's, there's an irony there. Um, and, and, and even though it's, it's saying that he doesn't want to live, um, he's living. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, right. And it depends, it depends what you mean by live. Like, I don't, I don't want this li- I don't want this life. I don't want this grind is, is right. what I think he's saying. Even if this, even if it does, you know, go into, to suicidal thoughts and he doesn't, there's just none of the, um, there's none of the like the triumphal or supreme um, kind of de- descriptions of him, right? Like if he's, you know, if if on Ready to Die, he's like the Mike Ripper, Girl Stripper, the Henny Sipper. These like these Ken. It's I, I was looking up on overthinking right. it. We actually have an article called Kennings in Hip Hop that that are this <laughs> like you know this like uh, this figure of speech. It's like Mike Ripper, Girl Stripper, Henny Sipper in uh, in in our a, a primarily Norse figure of speech. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. But it gets it gets at like um, it comes to this like thing of like Biggie kind of emerging fully formed and supreme, right? Like the, right. these are these things. This this gets at what Aristotle called the final cause, right? Which is the thing that uh, uh, which is the thing that an object was made for, or its ultimate purpose, right? Like you know his his ultimate purpose is he's the Mike Ripper, girl stripper, the Henny sipper. There are there are a lot of these. There's uh, one other one. There's the condom filler. We haven't right. actually talked about the. Condom- <laughs> Condom filler role of, of Biggie, but that's the other one, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and that, that well, I, it's it's sort of related. Like in the sex songs, it's a little bit about um, how he's going to hit it and quit it, right? Like that. There's that. There's no vulnerability in his yeah. in his sex, and he's he's that he's too supreme, right? He's like overflowing, uh, <laughs> overflowing yeah. the latex. Yeah. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. The condom, the condom floweth over, <laughs> right? Ugh, that's an image. Um, uh, so let's let's end then on suicidal thoughts, right? Yeah. The end of the album and the end of this kind of mortality tr- trilogy. Right? I'll see. Yeah, I'll see if I can get just get a sound of a gunshot to end the, end the, uh, <laughs> the podcast with. No, hey Matt, hey Matt, yo, hey Matt, I'm on my way over there. Hey Matt, man, hey, I'm Matt. I'm the worst podcaster. You know, you think I'm gonna go to podcast heaven with Ira Glass and Jad Abramrod? <laughs> Fuck that shit. I want to go um 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 for a whole podcast and shoot dice. You know, all my life I've been considered as the worst podcaster, lying to my mother, even stealing her iPhone out of her purse so I could listen to podcasts on it, crime after crime. <laughs> uh you know yeah yeah no you're not as cheery as like the the radio lab or like planet money people who are like god i just love the work that other people are doing about the world 
<laughs> and 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 Biggie is it's not it, like that either. I would say Biggie is not like that either. Exactly. You have the same. You know, we all have a, the same. We share the same sense of like, uh, you know, kind of cynicism, weariness. <laughs> well, and, and just to underline this, right? The idea of you know, when I die, fuck it, I want to go to hell because I'm a piece of shit. It ain't hard to fucking tell, mm-hmm. right? Um, it don't make sense going to heaven with the goody goodies dressed in white, I like black tims and black hoodies, <laughs> um, and uh, and and there's more. But that is like that's that is a core. I mean, what do you make of this kind of thesis, right? Um, and how it relates to um, ready to die and uh, everyday struggle? Well, it's it's depressed, right? It's it's yeah. it's like the voice of depression. You know, yeah. and and hopelessness, and even like you know, my, I'm sure my mother wishes that she had aborted me. Um, and, you know, and this sort of all-consuming, just just voracious, as 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 voracious as a dog who's been fed nothing but gunpowder. You know, uh, <laughs> like this sort of gnawing, uh, this this uh, doubt, um, self hatred, all this stuff, not gnawing uh, at at him. Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. I mean, I guess in that, I I think that then kind of underlining that is it gives meaning to the whole album, right? So that it, it makes the triumphal songs or the songs in which there are these boasts that that you actually then see it as bipolar, right? That you you see you see the um the the songs that are are more strong more invisible asthmatic episodes right uh and that this is a depressive episode yeah i mean if right? That, right if you have this you know i don't know yeah if you have a a uh uh psychiatric hammer everything looks like a dsm5 nail right but right. <laughs> you know and and it's it's sometimes i i worry that we yeah. reduce things by by pathologizing them in clinical terms right but that it definitely is a dynamic on this record from the kind of the exalted to the mm-hmm. the destitute or abject right i mean i like like you like the 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 variance is palpable right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's interesting though because it's almost i it, it's like the it's not expressed here though like the suicide is not to sort of like redeem himself because he still wants to not like behave well even in the afterlife <laughs> it's not to like i you know right. he he's, he wants to live uh it was the dais he lived toting go- guns and shooting dice right? right right so even though he he feels this sort of like sense of like i i'm i i haven't been good to the people around me it's this isn't like a redemption move or like a wish to be redeemed it's 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 like a little more it's just like more complicated than that yeah and then it is just it's such an odd it is such a odd like ending to end this way and like knowing that you're going to be reborn in your second album and have a life after death and then but then it's like the other layer is that then he did not live to see that album released i mean it's like and 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 so like the layers of that of kind of processing that and listening to this album kind of 20 years after his passing and, and at the age of i think 25 i think um 25 or uh maybe going on 26 uh when he when he passed away uh in 90 in 97 um and and 
and and the fact that both of his albums right are it's ready to die and life after death uh which was what it was titled um you know when it was scheduled to be released um you know just about a week after he he passed oh it's, yeah that that art was like that album art was they had already printed up you know hundreds of thousands of yeah, copies of that jacket it, it, right? yeah it had shipped um and 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 i think that that sense in both of these and 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 you know that that and and this builds the groundwork for that made you know his death um and you know coming you know following um you know Tupac's death it 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 felt i mean it felt prophetic right and it felt like this and i mean on the one hand it should you know given the the manifest content of of the songs and the amount of violence that is described um it should it shouldn't feel not you know not that it shouldn't feel pr- prophetic but it is you know that the the you know the the song the songs are laying out like where like I mean, I guess part of being ready to die um, is that it is it is omnipresent, right? It, go, it goes all the way back to things done changed again, right? That um, that 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 the la- the last way in which he's ready to die is kind of statistically speaking, um, and and that you would you know you, you think uh, and again in in the last way of it being one uh, you thinking that it's one way but it's actually the other way is that you think that. Um, once you are in juicy land, I think what is very, um, jarring about the kind of deaths of Tupac and Biggie is that there is a kind of myth or a belief or uh, that, that kind of getting to juicy, juicy is a one way street, right? Um, and, uh, and, and so I think that once, um, you know, that uh, Tupac and, and Biggie had um, reached superstardom, reached uh, tremendous amounts of wealth, um, and then um, still were both were both uh, murdered, uh, I think was uh, absolutely shaking to to hip hop. And, you know, both kind of on the one hand um, rippled across popular culture and kind of embedded them in that imagination and, and, and gave that sense of prophecy, but also kind of, um, you know, shattered some illusions of, of the way that it was. Right. Um, and, and, and kind of, um, had this, uh, this, this, uh, inextricable linkage of, of violence. Um, and at this time, the ways in which, um, uh, you know, violence was linked to, um, to the world in which, um, these artists were, uh, were, were coming from. Um, and so that is, is you know uh, as as with uh, the gunshot we we and bang <laughs> I'm, I'm <done. laughs> um, and uh, and so. Uh, you know, I may be ready to stop podcasting, but I'm also simultaneously never ready to stop podcasting. <laughs> uh, and, and so, uh, we're, we're done with ready to die, um, for now, but, um, rejoin the conversation, uh, in the show notes. As, uh, as Matt said, this is one, we'll put the link into our old, uh, I believe 2008 article, Jordan's 2008 article on Kenning, uh, in, in, uh, in Gimme the Loot. Um, and so we've been talking talking about ready to die for the entirety of overthinking its existence as a website. And we'll continue to, to talk about it um, for, for many years into the future. So join this point in the great conversation uh, uh, on the show notes on overthinking it.com on Twitter uh, on, um, on Facebook. There's a lot of ways to keep this conversation going uh, on ready to die on any of these kinds of this arc of uh, hip hop albums. Uh, we're still in the nineties for a few more weeks. 
um, and we don't often call her shot, but I will, I, I feel confident to say that uh, next week's album will not be a rap album. Uh, the, uh, you know, uh, even though this has been, um, a great, uh, and really kind of historic stretch, uh, to spend time on. So it's been really fun, um, and really, um, rewarding to kind of cover this stretch of albums because they're, they're so important to, um, the genre and to the, um, and, and to popular music, pop culture as a whole. Um, so, um, so be, get ready to die. Um, and then come back next week ready for something else. Uh, and whether it is moshing, whether it is swaying, uh, arithmically or whether it is writing in your journal, uh, just know that we'll be back and we'll be keeping it real.